Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a church that desires to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in the Harrisburg region. Sermon B-Sides is designed to be a resource to help us deepen the conversation about this week's sermon and answer questions that would be helpful to accomplish our purpose. All right, hey, we're back with another episode of Sermon B-Sides. Uh, I'm John Robinson, one of the pastors here at Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Returning to the show after a long absence. Wow. Uh, my name is Matt Malloyan. Terribly good long to, absence. Good to be back this week. And also, um, the new co-host, I mean, it's two weeks in a row, so maybe we just yeah. make this official. Two weeks in a row. Steve King, ladies and gentlemen. He just keeps showing Steve up. King, coming for someone's podcast seat. I don't know whose it is yet, but yeah. I think it's mine. I think, <laughs> I think I've been on the yeah. chopping block for a while. I mean, uh, you've, you've taken a, a sabbatical for at least one week. <laughs> I think it's my turn. That's right. So, yeah. That's right. Um, Steve, you preached from Judges 11 and 12 yesterday, and uh, good word, man. Yeah. Um, Thanks also for taking a massive amount of content um, <laughs> so that I could just go right to Samson for a couple weeks. There you go. Sure. I, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pastoral privilege that uh, you get to pick the best Sundays of the year, and you get to pick the best judges <laughs> right. from the book of Judges. And, uh, and we, leave, leave, we leave all the rest for you people. Leave the minors <laughs> and uh, the hard passages and... Uh, this is what happens when you're the one who gets to create the preaching calendar. It's really, it's really the only reason to ever pursue being a lead pastor. <laughs> okay. So that you can take the passages you want. And and pass those off. Pass that's those it. Off. That's, it. that's the one. Yeah, well, true to the, true to the mass amount of content, uh, I preached from Judges on Judges 11 and 12 and only read five verses in 12. You did. So we didn't. <laughs> We, did, we and, skipped and skipped over a whole chunk. We skipped a whole chunk. I mean, you did go 11. back. You felt the need to go back to 10, though, to set it I up. did. I did. So you I made know. up for it there. It's I did. <laughs> In my preparation, I actually considered, I was like, well, I, maybe I shouldn't actually read 10, which is the most obvious question of all, because I wasn't even, a, we're not, I'm not supposed to be, it's about Judge 11 and 12, but I was like, the context is there. It's like, there. The, the it generation folds into each other, yeah. and the story folds in. So, yep. hey, thanks for uh, everyone that listened and chose to listen the whole time because I know the sermon <laughs> went long. I'm that aware of that. Was that long? Was it long? I, I, I expe- Listen, for anyone who would ask as if I would be surprised, I, I'm not. I knew it was going to be long. <laughs> Maybe I could have just given a little bit more of a heads up. I think I did in the, in the second service. In the second service, I said, hey, there's a lot of content. We're going to get into it. I think in the first service, I didn't even, I was just like, hey, let's jump in. And then 40, 45 minutes later, we finished. Well, yeah, Listen. For, forty-five minutes with Steve's uh, Steve's words per minute, which are probably somewhere <laughs> around like nine thousand words. It's a per high minute. cycle. Okay. Uh, we're we're somewhere in the ten million word sermon. Okay. It was uh, it was impressive. Steve. You still okay. there? It still did not make like the greatest moments in Liberty Church history for sermon like show. So. There's been there's been several fifty plus minute well, sermons over the uh, years. I, then so. I then I'm on the hunt. You're on I the have hunt. a goal you in are, front of me now. You so are thank there. you. All right. You are there. Thanks for the you're co- coming for Huber's seat. There That's you go. right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but let's uh, let's get into it because it's um, there is a lot there and a um, lot of stuff to talk about potentially with your Bible study groups this week. First, let's hit a couple questions that uh, that came in. We got a couple great um, yeah. great questions. So the first one: uh, When Jephthah saw his daughter come out of the house, of course, Judges eleven and, and Jephthah's vow is one of the most striking and, and horrific pieces of of all, of all the Book of Judges, but especially this this text. When Jephthah saw his daughter come out of the house, he said to her, You have brought me very low and have become the cause of great trouble to me. That sounds like he's blaming her for messing up instead of blaming himself for making a foolish vow. Is that what he was doing? Hmm. Yeah, that's a really really good question. And um, 
you know, blaming blaming her, blaming him. I think, that's a, I think it's certainly a, it's a, it's a modern-day word we would use or concept we'd use. I do think that's generally accurate. I think he is most... He's most grieved for himself and not her. Hmm. Maybe that's the way I would put it. And I think I think it's because, and, and the text leads us in like everything he's done prior to this point, um, and then he, him actually going through with the sacrifice and the way that he does, yeah. it shows that he he is more concerned about his name and his lineage um, than he is over the sacrifice of his daughter. Like, yeah. the, like the, the burden it is for her now and the destruction it is for her. Yeah. Um, he is, and I said this in the sermon yesterday, he's a person by the nature of his birth and being cast out of his family. Um, he's a person like without a name, uh, mm-hmm. without a home, and without a future. And his whole life has been chip on the shoulder because of that. He's he's a mighty warrior, yeah. and he's a person who, by the strength of his word, has negotiated power, mm-hmm. whether as an outcast or then come back in to lead the army. Everything has been about earning back name and future and home. Yeah. And he sees in this moment that when she comes out, that her being sacrificed puts an end to his his lineage. He yeah. will have no grandchildren. He'll now yeah. have no future. When he dies, his name will die. Yeah. And that is most grievous for him. Yeah. Which is stunning, and that's horrid. Yeah. Um, but that's most grievous. And and he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, so he yeah. He's bl- he, he he's blaming her. It's like how did you weren't supposed to come out of the house? Is maybe what yeah. a father would say in that regard. Classic, you were supposed to come classic out. Classic narcissist. Yeah. Of, uh, right. Hmm. Of like you've ruined this for me. Yes. Huh. Yeah. So I, I do think he's absolutely he he doesn't see and I, we're gonna get to the next question. Like he doesn't see the foolishness of his vow. Yeah. He sees the uh, the foolishness of her coming out. Yeah. And that's why it's like it's trouble for him. Yeah. And that's yeah that's yeah. horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, you kind of touch on this. Like there was there was an aspect of him anticipating someone or something coming out. There were I mean it, yes. historical context. Uh, animals lived inside of the houses as well. So, like, there could have been a sheep, a goat, um, or whatever, but it, it it felt like more like the context was leading towards a person. Um, I mean, I, I said that yesterday. Yeah. I, I, that, 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 that was my, that was my uh, opinion and conviction in preparing for the sermon and, and preaching from the text. Um, yeah, there's, I think there's other faithful believers in the world that would sure. that would believe otherwise. Yeah. He does go through with it. So yeah. I think in my yeah. mind, I'm like, he went through with it. He didn't say, hey, there you are. Where's the first goat that I get to see? Yeah, sure. um, He goes through with it, which yeah. suggests that he did mean a human sacrifice. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that word even in the original language, when he says, then whatever comes out of the doors of my house, it, it also, there's a, there's a note even in the text of the ESV, at least it says whoever, it could be whatever or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and who it, was he hoping it would be though? Like, yeah, you know, that was the thing. It's like, he was, he was disappointed yeah. that it was his wife, that it was his daughter, but like, would he have been a little bit more happier if it was his wife? Was wife. there... There, I mean, uh, so, you know, when you when you surround yourself or, or you gather worthless fellows around yourself, maybe they're expendable. I mean, in some, yeah. in some ways, Jephthah is like, you know, we talked about this a little bit, just kind of leading into this morning. He's kind of like the mob boss of the judges. Yeah. He's yeah. like the leader of yeah. the underworld. Yeah. He, uh, you know, we talked even a little bit at this next question about being true to your word. He, right. he, he sticks to his word in a way that he shouldn't. Yeah. Um, but he, he's kind of like, he's kind of like the mafia Don of the, yeah. of the judges. Oh man. That so we can, we can, exciting. we could try, we could play that out for yeah. a while, but yeah. yeah. And I, I, you know, um, well, true to your question, real quick, so John, yeah. your question, like, I, I think I said that in the, 
Hey, if you were at the first service, go back and watch. Take 47 minutes of your day and go watch the second <laughs> service. Because I do think in the second service, I found myself uh, uh, adding a few bits of context or, or, or um, perspective that maybe I didn't do in the first one. They weren't completely different. But uh, one of the things I think I said in the second service was, can we imagine that he was going to be joyful in seeing someone else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he was not going to be grieved overseeing a servant come out or another member of his friends or his family or like a sibling or not i mean a wife or someone else like he's not gonna be grieved he would have been joyful because he would have still been coming off of the high of victory and now is going to in his mind faithfully offer sacrifice yeah that that is in no way something that should give us peace that should make us uncomfortable yeah um so that yeah, yeah what, what, what a horrific picture good. that what is a, what a, yeah, yeah. What, a, what a terrible situation in general, yeah, and uh, just reveals the character of of Jephthah yeah. and like what he was willing to go through, what he was willing to give up, uh, regardless of who that was. Yeah. Like this is like the this is what he felt like was necessary or right for him to do. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So right. yeah. You you mentioned there too, Steve. I thought this was really good to draw out the irony in a couple ways of this story um, where. You know, Jephthah is a man who spends his whole life, he has no no home and no name and no future. He spends his whole life gaining that and then in this in fulfilling this vow loses all of those things. Right. The other irony of this, of course, is he was a man of um, two kinds of power, power of the sword, power of the mouth, right. his mm-hmm. words. Uh, and, of course, at the end of the story, or at least the end of the part where he kills his daughter, sacrifices his daughter, he uses his sword to fulfill to fulfill a word uh, that he spoke That's with right. his mouth rashly. Right. He and, has the best words. I mean, his two, his two greatest, what he perceived as his two greatest strengths ends up being the things that literally end his name. Yep. Mm-hmm. They, and I, they undermine him. I think that even could be a great jumping off point in discussions mm-hmm. with Bible study groups this week. I mean, you, you did a lot of good work yesterday exploring, you know, sin always will take as much as it possibly can get. It, mm-hmm. always, it always goes for the jugular. It, it always mm-hmm. leads to death and seeks to kill and destroy. Um... And often it's the things that we that we set out for that we that we pride ourselves in that we spend our whole life looking for that in you know in an ironic way come back to just destroy us. So people that long to be loved and so then pursue that in mm-hmm. ways that that aren't wise. Mm-hmm. That that chase of loving people, I mean, that, that leads them into uh, relationships that are incredibly harmful and destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, people that. Um, money and success and they drive after it and they're just countless stories of people that then have gained it but that mm-hmm. it's also been their ruin or it's led to yeah. you know even people taking their lives and things like that so it's um, that'd be a great way to maybe to maybe connect this to your discussion in Bible study groups this week what are the things that you would maybe consider to be an asset in your own life or mm-hmm. uh, things that you're driving after or things that people have said you you have that are characteristic to your life but that you could actually perceive the, the the liability of and where if sin takes a hold of those things, you, mm-hmm. you have this irony there, this potential for those things to become your, yep. your downfall. That's a great question. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking, though, of great questions, there's a second one that was really tied Boom. to this one, too. So uh, it, says, um, it says this, Since Jephthah used his words in other instances to get what he wanted, he was a great negotiator, powerful with his words, uh, this person uh, asking the question was surprised that he didn't just explain away his vow or talk his way out of it somehow instead of going through with it like he did. Um, any any reason why Jephthah would have honored this vow mm-hmm. instead of sweet talking or otherwise talking his way out of it? Yeah, sure, because he's a great negotiator, so why not negotiate again, right? That's maybe a little bit of the question too. And 
Um, I think two. I think two reasons. One, um, he really believed that this this vow to the Lord merited the favor of the Lord. Hmm. Um, he was completely wrong in that. It's a completely, you know, um, in trying to be faithful, he makes an unfaithful vow. Yeah. Um, but in making that vow, he sees the Lord like hold up his end of the bargain, yeah. the negotiation. Yeah. So now he actually believes he needs to follow through on this. Mm. Um, I think there, and that's a, that's a completely corrupt understanding of, of how um, God loves us mm. and what we do to stand before God. He actually, though, believes that he has to fulfill the vow. Mm. Um, and he does. Like, that's why, like, why not, right? What would, it, sure. what would we yeah. do? Like, the three of us are fathers in the room. There's many other fathers and mothers and even just people in our church that would that would quickly push a child out of the way of a car or stand in the way of a bullet or like certainly jump on an altar for to, to replace the child. He does not do that. Yeah. He actually believes he has to now go through with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first the first part is yes, he really believes this is true. It's a complete corruption of faith. Um, the second part is, and Matt, you, you mentioned this before, that like he's like the mafia don of the underworld um, in that regard. He, everything he's earned in his life and trying to earn back a name and a home and a future has been by the strength of his sword. Hmm. And by that, we should we should really understand that he was a criminal. He was someone who has killed people before. Like he didn't just get. He wasn't like a mighty warrior because they saw him do great tricks in the backyard just with himself with a sword. Like he's killed yeah. people. He's earned a reputation yeah. and his word. And so it, in his criminality, all he has is his word. All mm-hmm. he has is what I say is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and without that, he would not have earned the reputation he has. He wouldn't have earned the, the, the respect that was given to him by other outlaws and criminals. And so here... That, that follows through. He's a man of his word. Yeah. So he's going to stand before God. And in what he believes to be faith in meriting the favor of God, going through a negotiation, he's not going to go back on his word. That's all he has. It's all he believes he has. And that's a depraved. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a very depraved, a very sad yeah. uh, existence that he has. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that would, that's, that's a warning to us. We should grieve over that too, that people, that someone like Jephthah, or fast forward, someone around us would believe that truly all all they are is what they can say and then therefore do, yeah. and not what they can receive freely from God, which is grace and mercy. Yeah. Um, so he's he's missed that completely, but in yeah. a way that maybe sounds crass, uh, he actually believes it earns the merit of God, and he's a man of his word. Yeah. And he does then therefore a horrific deed. Yeah. No, that's I think that's that's on point, man. I think that's insightful. How, um, so just trying to then connect that to, um, how, you know, how that applies even maybe to our lives. So, so what's the line between a person that holds conviction, which we would say is a good thing Mm -hmm. and a person who is stubborn or obstinate and kind of doubles down on something when it's actually a moment to relent. So, so Jephthah here, like this was a moment to relent, (laughs) you know, like, uh, Hey, you made a terrible vow stop, you know, don't, don't go through with it. And he, you know, a man of his word, which normally would say, oh, that's a great characteristic of a person that they're, they're full of integrity They're, you know, um, just thinking about that for even our own faith and our own pursuit of, and there are, there are, you know, in our own lives, 
we, um, I think of the question that we sometimes ask people when they go through leadership assessments for various roles in our church about list uh, six core convictions about which you would never, you would never see yourself yeah. changing. Like these close, are things that you hold very tight, closed handed. You you just can't see yourself changing on. Um, often people put things into that into that list like. Jesus is the only Son of God. You know, salvation is through no other name but but Christ. Like, mm-hmm. which are things I think that rightfully belong in there. Other times, people put put other things in there, um, like the, the Beatles are the greatest rock band <laughs> in history. Close, yeah. really strong, close-handed issues. Re- that's right. Those things. Yeah. Those, those things. Those <laughs> okay. Things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's right. That's exactly right. The, uh, but how you know how 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 should we think about that? Like, as as we are following Jesus. As we want to hold conviction strongly, right. and we'll, you know how how do we discern the difference between conviction and and stubbornness and obstinance? Where things where we would need to potentially at some point turn around in our lives because yeah. we hold them. Well, I mean, there's does this does this look like Christ? Yeah, you know, and in Christ holding his convictions deeply, like what is what is truly important? Does yeah. it does it model uh, a biblical ethic? Hmm. You know, does it model um, uh, the ways in which we are prescribed by Scripture to hold fast to certain things? Or do we look more like, you know, uh, what Scripture points out to be um, the ways in which, like, we, we shouldn't model those things? Like Jephthah, like, does, yeah. it, does, it, does it look, do our convictions look more like a Tony Soprano's convictions? Sure, yeah. You know, um, yeah. does it... Are they, are they things that we should should capitulate on? Mm-hmm. Um, should be able to consider? Or you know, is there is it is it filled with kind of the the truth of the gospel and what the gospel's implications are on our life or not? Yeah, um, I think that's that's some of it. I mean, yeah, that's not. Yeah, this it's it's a uh, it's probably maybe my answer is too broadly so too broad. Um, but using using Jeff as an example, he he has the wrong conviction. He sees as conviction and an actual belief. It's wrong though, and it could be. It could have been proved wrong if the people knew the word of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. people around him could have at least gone to him and said, "Hey, you've. Oh, hey, by the way, you've completely missed this. Yeah. Uh, we can actually get you out of this really easily. Yeah. Um, if we just go back to Mosaic Law and understand, you know, how how you can, you know, receive your daughter's life back. Yeah. Um, he has no understanding of that. The people around him have no understanding of that. So. Broadly speaking, we have to know the Word of God. Yeah. We have to know the Scripture. Yeah. And we have to then fast forward into our time. Like we should always be able to have healthy debates and conversations and discussions and even uh, disagreements on what our faith can functionally look like in life. Yeah. Um, we say that the eve going into an election where it's like, well, that's a that we could talk about well, how should Christians vote yeah. uh, any year, not just this year, but this year especially. And so... Um, when it comes to like, well, what's close-handed for what it means to be a believer and to be faithful? What is it? What are, then? How do we then live our faith functionally out in the world? Well, ultimately, we always go back to like you said, John. We go back to scripture. We go yeah. back to what what is a, a Christian supposed to look like, and how do we mirror the image of Christ? Yeah, Jephthah's completely yeah. missed that mark. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's a really it's a great question yeah. for us. Well, it, even in that, Steve, like, what is a Christian supposed to look like? So many times we can look at that from like a cultural Christianity perspective, and I think there is a a marring of um, Christian character and, and and biblical truths even in uh, modern contemporary Christianity, where we've 
uh, we have capitulated our values for other things. And so for us to know what the Word of God says is so important uh, for, to inform how we then live. Yeah. Um, you know, systems and systematic theology and theology is so helpful um, but it must be informed and supported by what Scripture says. Yeah. Uh, if even if our if our theological positions are contrary to what Scripture has informed us to, we we go back to what Scripture has said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to like the 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 solas of the Reformation, like sola scriptura. Mm-hmm. Like we've got to we have to be informed mm-hmm. by by Scripture, not yeah. by what. Uh, a pastor says or what a popular Christian artist says is mm. to be true, um, yeah. be very Berean in that, in that way of, of checking everything up against Scripture yeah. uh, because that, that is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, think that's, I think that's so important for how we live, how we function, how we, uh, how we uh, one another, each other well through, um, through living in community, mm-hmm. all the way down to you know how we vote, how we uh, how we work as employees, and how we um, how we're a, a good neighbor in our own communities. I think all of these things are and should be formed by uh, yeah. scripture. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think that makes that makes a ton of sense. The um, you know the the verse that comes to mind too this in Psalm one nineteen eleven it talks about psalmist says I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against mm-hmm. you. And, you know, Steve, you preaching yesterday about the law in Leviticus or Deuteronomy where, where uh, Jephthah could have redeemed his daughter for 30 yeah, shekels, Leviticus, of, yeah. Leviticus for 30 shekels mm-hmm. of silver, um, you know, did, did not, didn't, mm-hmm. probably didn't even know that that was a thing, nor right. did anybody else around him. So you get this, you get this glimpse of, you know, um, what's the cost of not hiding the word of God in our heart that we might not sin against him? Well, like this is, this is as bad as that gets. Like the, the you know, of course, mo- most of the time in our lives, it's not the, the death or the, the sacrifice of a child. Um, but that is a picture for what, for what we open ourselves up to yeah. if we neglect yeah. what God has revealed to us. Right, yeah. And so I think it is good fuel to say, this is why we, why we're like the Bereans and right. why we why we pour ourselves into it, and it I mean culturally speaking it's phenomenal we we have um, we have the most access to scripture um, over any time in history we have access to different translations original languages um, in our pockets yeah right and yet we are we are the most biblically illiterate generations hmm. to exist. Hmm. We don't hide the word of God in our heart, yeah, um, and and that is a practice and a discipline that we we must continue to pursue, regardless of age or stage of life, yeah. Um, for us to live faithfully, to be faithfully present in our communities, and uh, to to allow us to be uh, informed by what the Word of God says, and so uh, let that be let that be a, a good challenge. I think uh, from from our from our text this week. Uh, to know that that it is it is right and good for us to to know the word of God, so that when we do err, you know, when we do err, um, you know we can we can we can know that we have confidence in what what God's word says about our error right. mm-hmm. and how to to uh, repent, have faith, and believe the gospel. Um, hmm. Knowing that you know the sacrifice the sacrifice that is truly necessary. Um, is Christ's sacrifice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. The, um, <clears throat> the one other piece I think, Steve, that I thought would be really good um, from what you said yesterday to jump into Bible study groups this week, you talked about needing to examine ourselves and the self-reliance that we're inclined to, and specifically the phrase that we bargain with God. Jephthah made this vow to bargain with God. Like, I need to add something to the work that, that God's done. I need to, to create this, this vow. Um, I think that's a great question for self-examination and then discussion in Bible study groups. How, how, do you, how are we each individually prone to bargain with God? What's the stuff that we feel like we have to add? Um, yeah. What are the ways that we... Um, feel like functionally the, the the work of Christ is not sufficient, and so then like we're, we're bringing mm-hmm. something to yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that really jumped out to me yesterday. Thought that'd be a great thing to pull into my own Bible study group. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and I and I, I know I do that. I think it. I think in a, in like a subtle in a disastrous way. Like this is you know it's exemplary of of deception in my heart where I can bargain with God at times, believing that my faithful response is meriting the favor of God instead mm-hmm. of, and, I, and what do I do? I'm making this completely backwards <laughs> of what it is and that God coming alongside me, an unfaithful, um, unregenerate man and giving me faith, um, a free gift of his mercy and love, like I respond out of faith. I respond mm-hmm. out of, you know, in, I out of that work in faith. Mm-hmm. And instead my heart wants to turn around as if my faith is what's going to earn the merit of God. Mm-hmm. And that makes it completely backwards. And like, you know, I know we could, we could go a long time about how that shows up in, in the lives of Christians, but like maybe just as, as an example for Bible studies, like that's where I see it in my heart. I, yeah. I tend to think that my faith will earn something from God. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll do this for a week or I'll earn, I'll do this today, you know, as if that's going to, then get me something else from God. And that's, yeah. that's crooked and it's depraved. And yeah. um, I'm glad to see the folly of that too. But in the battle, I think I, you know, I mentioned this yesterday and the battle of spirit versus flesh, the more that we learn about um, it in scripture is like, it's just so real, hmm. you know, um, we shouldn't deceive ourselves to think that just because we are believers um, that therefore we're never going to struggle against the flesh. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like it's so obvious. I know. And yet, Sure. What ends up yeah. happening is it, it's it's so obvious that it actually slips in in very deceptive ways, right. and I functionally live mm-hmm. as if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's good. There was one other question that someone asked. Oh, was there? That, yep, there was one oh. more. I don't. Um, yep. it, it was and it, it's a really good question, um, and in some ways, it's a it's a question that like should be asked. Um, why did God allow this? Right? Like, why did God actually allow this to happen? The question, like, why didn't He intervene? Mm-hmm. Um, and just I, a small question. Just a small question. The problem well, of evil. Well, right. That's, that's <laughs> exactly. Like it's such a grand. It's such a grand meaning, like comprehensive question, that it almost goes without saying. And yet, because it should be, it could be asked after every sermon. Mm-hmm. It could be asked after every moment that we look around the world and see what happens. We're like, well, wait, well, why didn't God allow this? Mm-hmm. But I do think that this scripture is it gives such an obvious example of depravity. Mm. And I think I said this maybe in the second sermon yesterday, the 1031, like it's easy for us to take this and go like, gosh, that was such a miss. Let's put that on the shelf. The shelf that's labeled such a miss obviously won't ever happen again. Sure. Um, yeah. Because it's so bad yeah. that he sacrifices his daughter. And, and, and like, I won't go into all of that, but I will just say, why didn't God intervene? Um, because he's given the people over to the deceitfulness of their heart. And the verse that come that, that came to mind in preparing you for this and is Roman one, Romans 1, um, 
Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And there's a whole much that we could say about that. We won't get into it all right now for time's sake. But at the end, chapter 1 of Romans ends with verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things, that being like these evil things, deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And for me, that verse, it meant something preparing for this sermon because they that do them, they not only do them, that's the people, and they approve those who practice them. That was Jephthah. Hmm. Like he's practiced this. He's in the pagan culture. And so they've given approval to him as a leader, and therefore they get everything that comes with him as a leader. Yeah. And in this case, like a really obvious, unfaithful, sinful, depraved mm-hmm. moment of, of human sacrifice. Yeah. So why didn't God stop it? That's a great question because we should be asking that question all the time mm-hmm. and we should be wrestling with each other as believers like why does God allow evil to happen? Mm-hmm. But we also see that God is working things for his good. And there, in a way that we can talk more about but also a way that's mysterious, God is God is allowing this world to continue and evil to continue and he's ultimately working it together for his good. Mm-hmm. Um, if for no other reason that, that believers would see evil repent, turn away, and chase after a God uh, who brings not evil, but, you know, uh, but holiness. That's good. That's good. That's great. Well, that's lots of, uh, lots of really good fodder for discussions this week and Bible studies. And uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll get back to, uh, to uh, Judges 13 through 16 over the next couple weeks as we get into uh, to some Samson. So easy. Shows us 13 or 16. Piece of cake. Wow. Not in one week. Do it. I'll get to it. Yeah, well, thanks guys for joining us. Uh, really grateful for the time you spend each week uh, listening and also the time you spend engaging in questions in your groups. Hope you have a great week and we will talk with you.